Hello everyone, a very quick one from me. This podcast would not be possible without our amazing podcast partners. Because you listen to the show, you are able to get your hands on exclusive savings on both Vincherry and Sourcebreaker. They're award-winning products, and if you are a growing recruitment business, then you have to check out Vincherry, who are a all-in-one recruitment operating system for your growing recruitment company. With Sourcebreaker, if you truly want to equip your teams with the best possible tools to stand out and beat the competition, you have to look at Sourcebreaker. Use the link in the show notes to get a demo booked in, check out these products, and get your hands on those exclusive savings. Welcome back to another episode of the Recruitment Mentors Podcast. I'm your host, Hisham Azuz, and this is another edition of the Early On in Recruitment podcast series, where we're sitting down with people who are early on in their recruitment career to find out what have been some of their biggest challenges, how they overcame them, uh, advice that they would give uh, to people coming into the industry, and uh, much more. So I'm really delighted to be joined by Amber Nathan today, who worked for a business called Virtus Talent, and that is actually a recruitment business that helps entry-level talent into the recruitment industry. So we're going to talk to Amber and Nathan about their own journeys, but also they're in a really unique position to give all of you listening to this some insight into, yeah, what sort of things to expect, what sort of things can we look for when we are looking to get into the recruitment industry, and uh, yeah, just get their take um, on those types of things. So Amber, I'm going to come to you first, and sort of where I've been starting these conversations is I would love just to hear sort of your thoughts on how has recruitment been compared to what you expected so far? Yeah, so this is my first recruitment job. I, I haven't come from a sales or recruitment background. So I came in very blind, to be honest, um, very different to like Nate's background. So I didn't really have too many expectations, to be honest. Um, I knew with our market, you know, it was like heavily phone based. A lot of it was inbound. I know you had to be like spinning multiple plates at once, but I think I underestimated how fast paced it actually is. Um, you do need to be able to, you know, multitask and be, be on the ball, um, especially in a market like ours as well, because I think our market is, is quite different to a lot of others. So, you know, we come into, you know, applications day in, day out, and, you know, speed is, is key, um, especially in our markets. So I think I, I I knew it was fast paced. I knew you had to pick up the phone very quickly and, and be on it. But I think I kind of underestimated how fast it, it actually was. Uh, and obviously, you know, there's competitors out there. You know, um, the candidates might be applying directly. There's, so you do really yeah, you've need got to be on that. Be, yeah, you've got to have that tunnel vision, come in, sit down and just basically hammer through them as soon as you can, really. Yeah, fair enough. So, so Nate, obviously for you, just for context for people listening, obviously mm -hmm. we were just saying, so like worked at a recruitment business for two years. Unfortunately, COVID meant that that sort of had to come to an end. You then got into a sales role. But then as you were saying, when you moved back, back up to Munster, like you was, uh, yeah, really keen to get back into a people-facing role and, and like the opportunity to get back into recruitment. So obviously you've been a, you've obviously been a Virtus now coming up to uh, nearly a year. So I guess what, what I'd love to just get your thoughts on and you can sort of share what you think you've taken from your journey with Virtus so far or even before, but what, what skills or experience do you think recruitment has given you that maybe you, you least expected? 
Yeah, it's a conversation me and Ams were having the other day, actually. Um, I think I, we've both come into it sort of completely differently. Sometimes I think Ams actually, you'd think outside of looking in, it's easier um, for someone like myself to come into it. But sometimes coming in as a blank canvas is actually a massive positive because you've got no prerequisites. You've got no bad habits from previous roles and you can sort of just hit the ground running. So I almost had to sort of unlearn before I could start to learn again when I came into Virtus, really? which is maybe something that I wasn't prepared for came in thinking that you know all of those experiences that I'd had previously would be positive and there were some where I actually had to unlearn habits before I could sort of really kick on so it actually arguably took me a little bit longer than some of the other associates here to get to retcon um, but now that I've got there I'm sort of performing quite well so I suppose one experience from myself was that initial phase of coming in that actually as a blank canvas you can sometimes hit the ground running a little bit better yeah. I think in terms of a more sort of positive experience I came into this having done purely solo roles before um, where it was all about sort of my own performance I think coming in now and and being a part of training up some of the associates as me and Amber both kick on towards senior and then we'll look on to sort of management I think leadership isn't something I'd ever considered before Virtus but I think <laughs> being in that sort of 360 role is now actually something that I'm sort of striving towards so I suppose that was a an experience I wasn't necessarily expecting but one that I've certainly relished and um, the opportunity to have nice and then and then any skills names that you think like you've developed professionally personally that maybe you didn't think from what you'd get from working in recruitment I'm sure you went into it going right I'm gonna carry on my sales skills my people skills but is there do you feel like it's impacted any other things that you've maybe been surprised by sort of just skill wise and maybe even character wise as you as a person I think yeah probably, probably what you pick up on there um lastly about me as a person I think when you're doing like if you look at my previous role working in sales it's very transactional it's product based so you've got the sales skills but it's not so much on the people side of things I think I to give people my background away from work I obviously moved up to Manchester knowing no one and then stepped back into recruitment as well and I think it came at the perfect time because I think that relationship building element that people focus role has probably helped me massively outside of work because I was doing quite well in a recruitment role building relationships with people didn't know anyone outside the office and I thought I'd just sort of mirror that out of the office as well um, and I think yeah. it's probably made, made me 10 times more sociable outside of work as well and it's helped me to build sort of a social as well as professional network all at the same time yeah I love that no yeah good, good on you mate that's I think that's a great thing to share particularly for people yeah moving into different cities and these things that can be really daunting right and you've got to really lean in to being in those new environments and being on your own and you have to sort of put your neck out there right to speak to people and, and build those social things so that that's awesome to hear that it's helped that I guess I'm sure both of you speak to people about this so I'm gonna I'm gonna come to you on this yeah. but I'm sure you may at some point or I'm sure it's something that you guys communicate but a very typical sentence I'd certainly heard it is that look, first year recruitment can be probably your hardest, right? So let, let's let's talk, I want to find out what some of your biggest challenges have been. So Amber, I'm going to come to you, like looking at the, your sort of first year recruitment, what have been some of your like darkest days, biggest challenges that you really had to work through and, and pick yourself up, uh, back up from? Yeah, so I don't think I've got like a, a particular day or a particular period that was, you know, really really bad and I always think about it or anything like that but I think just in general like the first three to six months of the job obviously I, I came in like I mentioned a minute ago no prior sales experience no recruitment experience I obviously knew that the job was hard and knew that obviously you do get rejection things go wrong you know people can let you down but I think one of the challenges that I definitely face with and I think it's a lot of people can probably relate to is that you know that it's not personal 
you don't need to take that rejection personally and I think after you know a couple of things go wrong you know I don't know candidates might not accept offers or candidates go elsewhere or they decide recruitment is actually not for them anymore you know, I think it can I think it's very easy for you to basically get down about that um especially in the first couple of months um but then you know you, you do just have to kind of pick yourself up and, and go again you know it isn't personal I think once it's happened a couple of times you just get used to it you know you, you don't just let it phase you anymore I think it's just all about picking yourself up and, and going again but I think that is one of the things that it took me a while to kind of you know not not go home and think about it or oh, could I have done this or could I have done that you know sometimes I mean obviously there is occasions in the first year you know you are learning especially if you've not done this before you know it is all of that training period but I think you know you, you don't need to go home and beat yourself up about it you know sometimes things just don't work out so I'd, I'd definitely say that a challenging point for me was not taking the rejection personally um and, and there's I think, a lot of rejection know, yeah yeah especially on the graduate <laughs> front as well you know you change the mind left right and center um so I do think that is a, a big thing and obviously because the graduate market you know it is very fast-paced you deal with a lot of candidates on a, on a daily basis as well so you know if, if one doesn't work out you know you're on to the next one uh you know the bad days don't last too long at all uh you know you could have one something in the morning go wrong and then three things go right in the afternoon so it's just all about having that mentality really and you know the rejection that you receive and it's it's not personal and you know if you do if it's obviously you know in your training period there are learning curves but I think that's how you develop as a consultant as well by things going wrong because if nothing ever goes wrong then you're not gonna you're not gonna learn from it really yeah absolutely no thank you for sharing that super super common I guess Nath what comes up for you mm. what what have been some of your biggest challenges at Virtus so far that you've had to overcome and, and work through, do you think? Yeah, I think, I think one that stands out massively is obviously I mentioned that I came into the role probably expecting to do maybe better than I did initially. Um, the way that our business model works is you come in as an associate and it's 16 deals in 16 weeks to get to retcon. Obviously, over that time, you take on more and more of the process. And the idea is that by the end of that, you can sort of fly on your own and do 360. And that's when your senior target starts. And I remember sort of I joined in the October. So it was a run up to Christmas anyway. Grads were dying down a bit and getting all my excuses out early here. But it was, it was a bit of a bit of a quieter period and I think it was the week before Christmas and I had three things that could have gone in that would have put me on like 18 11 I would have been doing all right to come back in the new year and one ghosted me one rejected offers one didn't get offers and I sat there on a Friday sat down with my manager like Jacob and, and Aaron thinking I'm on five and eleven here. like what's gone wrong we've obviously gone on the <laughs> Christmas too and then I, I've sat there with beer fair the next day got like a two and a half hour train journey home for Christmas and I had three weeks off to think about it like this is tough this this is a lot harder than I maybe thought it was going to be but I think the best bit of advice that I ever got given that I used massively in that situation and then I always think about is whether you think you can or you think you can't you're probably right and I think I was a bit of a crossroads there where I could think you know you can either pack it in here and you can say it's not for you or mm -hmm. you can give it a real real good go and come out the other side of it and obviously thankfully I think one of the biggest things here at Virtus is obviously the culture and the leadership and the guys mm -hmm. were able to sort of drag me out of that turn it around do 16 and 16 and then I've not really looked back since I've become a retcon so I always remember that time as like if I can get through that I can probably get through a candidate not not answering the phone and I use that mm. every day now mm, yeah no that's awesome that's uh yeah I re really love that so that's a great way to think about things I guess uh I've, I've really enjoyed asking this so Amber I'm going to ask you first like mm -hmm. obviously Nathan spoke a bit about something that he keeps top of mind when things mm. do really sort of 
uh, when when shit hits the fan and you have dropouts <laughs> and you have loads of people go to you on a certain day, you just have one of those days. Do you have like a a sort of go to ritual that sort of helps you just like yeah go again and like forget about it? Do you, do you are you someone that needs to go for a walk? Are you just write it down? I don't know. Is there anything that sort of helps you just dust it back off? Yeah, I think I'm a venter. I like I like to voice my problems. <laughs> yeah, I'm a venter. Uh, I like to voice my problems. You know, sit down with you know managers or anyone in the office and just kind of let it all out. And I think you know a, a problem shared is a problem halved. You know, obviously everyone does have bad days. You know, it's inevitable in a job like this. But I think if you can share your frustrations, I think that's half the trouble. To be honest, and back to what Nate said, you know, having you know working with colleagues, working with a team that you're able to do that, I think that's key. To be honest, and you know, even if you do vent your issues to them or explain, you know, what's going wrong or how your day's been, you know, they can even offer advice. You know, you never know. They might have been in a very similar situation to you. They might have handled it differently. They can give you like tips and advice. But yeah, I'd say definitely for me, um, I like talking to people. I like voicing my problems and yeah, taking taking that approach really. Yeah, no, I really like that. I haven't heard, I actually don't think I've heard that before. Problem shared is a problem halved. I really like that. Really? That's, yeah. I, 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 so, I recorded uh, one of these episodes with a lady called Hannah before this and that was Mm -hmm. her so for her one of the things that she had to really work on was like not bottling it up and Mm. like then it would just like build up and then she'd have a really low day so yeah that's really interesting that you say that because then when you speak about it like you said problem shared problem half I I really like that um so so Nath I'm going to ask you a different question I guess obviously I know you're coming up to this year milestone so I'd love to hear your thoughts again you could relate this to previous experience or advertis but like what what do you think you learned in those first six months uh with Virtus and on this journey so far that maybe you wish you knew from day one um I think the probably the biggest thing is I'd say recruitment was fairly similar to what I expected but just amplified so I knew it was going to be fast paced. I knew there'd be lows and I knew there'd be highs, but I think it's getting into the role is realizing how fast fast actually is, how low those lows actually are, but then also how high those highs actually are. So probably just uh, to enjoy it all a little bit more. I think I would have actually performed a lot better had I just taken a bit of the pressure off myself and just sort of sat and enjoyed the roller coaster, if you like, a little bit more from the start. I think a lot of people come in and they put too much pressure on themselves from day one and you can be your own worst enemy in this job, I think. I think mm-hmm. the person that's going to make you succeed and ultimately the only person that can make you unsuccessful in this job is yourself. Um, and I think just taking that pressure off yourself from day one, enjoying it, getting stuck in, taking the rejection, picking up the phone 50 times, getting a no, picking it up that 51st time and getting that yes that you're looking for and just enjoying every bit of that process. I think I probably would have had a much easier and smoother six months probably would have even performed a little bit better had I not been my own worst enemy yeah no I think yeah you put that really really well no thanks for sharing that and I guess Amber same to you like reflecting on obviously your first year what do you what do you uh yeah what do you learn in those first six months that you wish you knew from the start yeah so I I've always said that you know you need to be able to ask questions in a job like this and I don't I think um I think I'm quite good at asking questions and asking for advice asking for help but what I do wish I kind of did a little bit more is just kind of throw myself in the deep end a little bit a little bit quicker and not kind of worry about the outcome. I think sometimes you can overplay a situation in your head or 
overthink it and then like Nate said you know you can be your own worst enemy and you know if you do just keep picking the phone up if you do maybe I don't know push back a little bit or I don't know you know stand your ground a little bit more or just whatever it may be just kind of throwing yourself in the deep end you're just giving it a go because if, if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out but you know if you spend however long thinking about it you know you could have done it 10 times over by the time that you've you know come to the decision that you are actually going to do it so yeah I'd probably say I'd just just deep just just kind of jumping a little bit deeper yeah just go along with it really so I guess let, let's sort of segue into like getting I'd, I'd love to just get both of your perspectives on uh, I guess not so much like current market but for people listening to this they might find this and be considering a career in recruitment and obviously, as I'm sure both of you will help the people you work with, like that can be really fucking overwhelming because of how many recruitment companies there are, right? So I guess, Nate, I'm going to come to you on this one. Like, what would you say is some sort of good quality advice for people listening who have stumbled across recruitment, had maybe some of their friends go into it or maybe discovered it and they're now on the job sites and they're like, oh my God, there's so many jobs. Like how that can be really overwhelming. So like, what, what would be your advice in terms of like, I'm considering recruitment, I'm really interested in that. I'm actually quite motivated to get into the industry. What would be like the, some of the things that you would share with people to keep top of mind uh, so they can just have a bit more clarity on like the types of companies they should be uh, looking at and um, those types of things, because I think it can be really overwhelming. Yeah, well, message me or Amber, first of all, that's our job, so I'll <laughs> stress away. Um, but no, I think when you're having that conversation, I think, first of all, um, it's such a varied industry that it is actually for a lot of people. I think people have this perception in their head that, oh, it's not for me. And when they pick up the phone to us, they realise, ah, oh, it's not necessarily what I thought. So I think take away some of your um, sort of prerequisites, if you like, about what you think the industry is going to be, first of all. But I think once you have decided it's for you, and I think, like you say, we have a slightly different take on this because we've got our ears to the ground a bit more. We speak to graduates day in, day out that are having these thoughts. And I think one thing that we always say is a lot of them are getting into it for the same reason. So they're financially motivated. The businesses that we work with, they'll all offer good training, good progression. But I think the, the number one thing for me is the environment that you're going to go into and the culture. And I think it's probably the one that's overlooked. Candidates so, so often are swayed by oh you can earn 100 grand in your first year and you see it on an advert and it all looks great but like we've said that first six months is going to be tough mm. and what will get you through that and it's what got me through it it's what got amber through it is the environment that you have around you the manager do you have the right manager do you have the right support system in place to get you through that so i think when it comes down to it any decent recruitment business is going to offer you good earning potential good training good progression but above all of that superseding all of that you've got to look at the environment and is it going to be a business where when the going gets tough you want to be there not the business that's flying you off to ib through every six months if you hit your target you've got to look at the day-to-day where you're going to be and make sure that you find the environment that's right for you because we've seen it so often where people are going to do three months in a business and think oh, I'm, I'm terrible at recruitment and you'll go and find them an environment that's right for them and they go on to hit senior they, they're managing their own teams now and and they thought they weren't good recruiters because they were in the wrong environment so I think mm-hmm. finding the right basis to give you the platform to kick on to be a top recruiter is far better than any incentive that a business can sort of run down your neck yeah yeah that's, that's great advice so Amber to build on that then great advice couldn't couldn't agree more yeah. and, and makes complete sense I guess, Amber, what, what would you say then if like I'm thinking, okay, Nathan, yeah, I'm definitely going to keep that in mind. 
But like, how can I, how can I unpack that in an interview context? How can I really try and extract that and sort of grasp that um, in typically an environment where these companies are trying to show off to me why they why they're so great they might flex a bit they know how many other companies they're going to be speaking to and sometimes it can be really quite hard to sort of grasp that environment mm. and that platform and what Nathan's speaking about in an interview context so what, mm. what would your advice be for people be to like to give them the best chance of actually really getting an authentic look into what that platform what that environment might actually look like day to day there's obviously only a limited amount you can but I think this is where people can be smart and intentional with what they do in the interview uh, process yeah yeah so I think a really good tip um, and this has happened with a couple of my candidates previously is they reached out to people that are actually working at that company you know they've been there you know sub a year you know they might have been there I don't know six months working towards the next promotion or something and just reaching out to them on LinkedIn you know send them a connection request and just messaging them because I think it is especially if you know if you're a graduate and you're having I don't know multiple interviews with multiple different agencies it it can get a little bit overwhelming and you know face value you know they they are ticking the boxes in terms of what you're looking for like they said you know earning potential progression training and incentives but I think, like you said, there there is only so much you can get out of an interview process. But I think a massive tip as well is just not not taking the first thing that comes your way. Um, You know, seeing out all of your options, seeing out the processes and by exploring the market a little bit, you know, having multiple interview stages with multiple businesses, you know, going into the office. I think you... You will, you will always get a feel for the environment when, when you do step foot into an office. You know, if you're able to speak to more members of the team during that interview process as well and just asking them about their experience, you know, how they found it, you know, what's their favorite thing about working at the company, you know, what's the biggest challenge, you know, is there anything that you struggle with? Is there anything that, you know, you don't really enjoy? Just basically having those open and honest conversations with people that, haven't been doing the job too long either um because they they can very much relate to you because that was them you know six 12 months ago that's such a great tip and like that i'm sure like that's also like extra brownie points as well from like the employer yeah. perspective you yeah. know what i mean if they're like oh yeah. my god this person's like being proactive they're asking good questions like that's that's such a good tip i think mm. if any of you are listening and you're in this process right now yeah reach out to people in that team that hopefully you can get to the position where they are and, and ask some good quality questions I think mm. that's that's such a good um, tip, Amber. Thanks for sharing that. So on on this topic, then I think there's some useful things here that that people can take. So Nathan, I'll come back to you. Mm-hmm. I think when I've spoken to a lot of people that are early on in their recruitment career or considering it, again, another part of being overwhelmed is what sector to go into. Do you have any advice on that in terms of like I want to get into recruitment, but I have no fucking clue what type of sector I want to go <laughs> into, like like how what's your sort of typical advice for that because that can be quite overwhelming for people as well yeah I actually tell people um maybe not the advice that you're expecting on that point but it's almost bottom of the list for me personally if you're coming in as a raw grad that's never done it before if you go into you know any environment that you go into if they're offering good training a good progression plan they're going to take you from knowing nothing about the industry to being an expert in that field if they've got the right training in place to do so the right progression structure in place to do so so if you're going into a you know I speak to graduates all the time and they'll say like I only want to do tech and then when you dig a little bit further and okay great why do you want to do that 
they don't really know it's just they've gone, gone on what they're hearing or you know maybe they know someone that's done it before but really if you go into any of these industries provided that you've got you know enough of an interest to be able to talk about it on a day-to-day -day, no say you go into tech for example no one's going to expect you to be a tech expert you're the recruitment expert in that scenario so the training that you get offered will sort of carry you through the role and then like I say it comes back to the progression the environment do you actually enjoy being there can you see yourself being there long term and I think again that probably supersedes whatever sector you were to go for so I actually tell candidates to think about other things first fair enough I think sector comes into it when say you've got two businesses offering you and you could just everything's exactly even and then you've got one sector that maybe appeals to you a bit more then maybe favor the sector but if you go into it with this idea that you want to do tech for example but you've got one tech offer and then this other business is offering great progression great environment great earning potential don't don't go for the sector because the other things are far more important that's normally how i would sort of position it to a candidate Fair enough. Yeah. yeah, I think I think what I took from that, Nath, is I, I definitely personally, on my own experience and speaking to people, I do. I would underline there, like you said, have enough of an interest to speak to people day mm. to day. I do feel mm. like that's a factor because I think because of this job and the rejection and how hard it is, if you work really hard to like, yeah, get to speak to that person or those things, and then you speak to that person and it's just really fucking boring and you're not curious yeah. about it at all. <laughs> that's going to make it even more challenging. But I get yeah. what you're saying. It's like that shouldn't be the leading indicator into your search. It should be all those other things that you said. And then it's like, make sure, let's make sure that you're looking at sectors that you are, at least have a remote curiosity about mm. and are interested in. And then you can obviously learn. But yeah, that, that's good advice. So, Amber, I have to ask you do mm -hmm. young people want to work in the office? Full time, five days a week. Do they want to work from home? Do they want to work from the office? What, what do young people want, Amber? Please tell us. So it does vary, um, but I, but I think like on, as a general percentage yeah. wise, what do you think people most lean to? Office based, definitely. Um, I think, you know, with the environment that recruitment offers, obviously it's quite a, a young industry as well. It's a social industry. A lot of people enjoy being in the office. You know, they like having that interaction with the colleagues. And it's I found as well because we're you know, when I was going through my training and everything, I was in the office five days a week, you know, full time. It's so much easier to ask questions. You know, if you were at home, you know, you have to message someone, oh, are you free for a call? I've just got a really quick question and something that could have taken 30 seconds. You know, it might be 15 minutes because you're waiting for them to, I don't know, come off the phone or come out of a meeting or something. But you sat in an office with, you know, all of your colleagues, especially in that training period. I think you can take up so much more from that. Um, you know, we always say to people like in your first, you know, three to six months of the job you know you need to be a sponge you need to absorb as much information that you can basically and one way that you can do that is just by being in the office and even just hearing you know all the people on the phone ha them having those conversations you pick up things and I think you underestimate how much you actually do pick up just by being in that environment so I do think you take a lot more from being in the office five days a week especially during that training period and you know we obviously we have these conversations with graduates all day every day and and they like having interaction you know with the colleagues you know with the young people you know it's a and especially like the social side of the job as well um obviously you know working from home you know a couple of days a week once you've undergone you know your training period yeah that that's absolutely fine but yeah i think most graduates i would say prefer being in the office is it like do they want the choice like they want the choice to be able to be like yeah i can work from yeah. home or like yeah I would, I would say so. Yeah, the majority. You do get the odd few, you know, that they're not bothered whatsoever. They're happy to, to do anything. But I'd say the overriding majority, you know, do like to have 
the, the opportunity you know and if they did want to i don't know work from home on a thursday or something that the option is there um but you know we, we keep in contact you know with all of our candidates you know once they have started you know keep in touch with them you know how's it all going and a lot of them do say that they out of choice go into the office full time um just because they enjoy it and also look the type of people that you're placing let, let's be honest unless you're i don't know you're in a family that uh are doing all right like you're you're probably going to be in some sort of flat share or like <laughs> I don't know do you know what I mean like in terms of like the work from home setup might not be the best mm. uh so I think that that's also a big factor as well mm. so I guess to carry on this topic and then I'm going to ask you a couple more questions about both your journeys and, and we'll finish but obviously I know you guys cover uh different parts of the UK so Nate, you you feel free to we can break it down but like I'm I'm really curious to get your thoughts on what you're seeing on like the base salaries. Like I've been speaking to a lot of recruitment companies and been having some, yeah, pretty interesting conversations that the sort of base salaries that some entry level people are asking for or expecting uh, can be pretty nuts. Like I, I've spoke to some recruitment companies where they've interviewed people that, yeah, maybe have three months experience or no experience at all. And they're going into that interview asking for a 30 grand base. And I know there's so many factors to this, right? Inflation and all these types of things. But I guess what what are you seeing? Like, what's what's become like um, unrealistic in terms of like too much, and unrealistic maybe in terms of like too low for some recruitment companies? Like, what what are, what are you finding are the typical base salaries that's actually realistic? The entry level talent are actually happy with and can yeah are actually open to. And let's just talk about that for a sec because I think that'd be helpful for people. Yeah, definitely. So I think there's, unfortunately for us, and it's a difficulty in a day-to-day for us, there's a lot of nonsense out there about salaries, but at both ends of the scale. And I say this to people on the phones all day. I think some people think it's like 14 hours a day, chain to your desk, you've got to put your hand up to go to the toilet and you're doing that all for minimum (laughs) wage. And then you've got others that are telling you that, you know, any grad can come and earn a hundred grand in their first year. So we've got people ringing us all the time Mm -hmm. saying when you ask them sort of what they're looking for in terms of earning potential, some of them are, as you say, going in too low. And then some think that, you know, when you tell them a realistic figure that that's slightly underwhelming because a lot of the Mm -hmm. nonsense that's on there. But I mean, to put a figure on it, I think when I even when I started in sort of back in October, um, I think in like Manchester, for example, where we do um, sort of like a lot of our business, um, I think, you know, most graduates were getting sort of 20 and they were happy with 20. Mm-hmm. Now that's probably low, slightly low mm-hmm. or the lower end at least. Um, I think, so. you know, you're seeing graduates getting sort of 22, 23, some getting 24 and that's just fresh graduates that have maybe worked a bit alongside uni. They might've done a bit of high level sport, but no commercial experience. And they're sort of walking in on 23, 24. Down in London, um, again, sort of when I started, 23 was the standard. Mm-hmm. Now it's almost 25 across the board. We've got a couple that pay sort of 27 for fresh grads. Um, so it's creeping sort of up and up and up. Um, but again, I think sort of the constant battle that you're facing is um, a lot of the advertised salaries against the real salaries mm-hmm. and just sort of trying to pitch a realistic expectation to graduates somewhere in the middle of that. Yeah, no, that's good. That's 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 really uh really good insight so i appreciate you sharing that that's that's good good help for people because i think there is a lot of nonsense isn't there online so i think sometimes p again and i can imagine it for both of you the hardest thing is when you speak to people when they have certain expectations and then when you speak to them it's below their expectations and they're already Mm. like underwhelmed as you said nath and that's probably not Mm. the best position to start from you'd rather them have lower expectations and then they're like oh really like that's that's possible do you know what i mean so mm-hmm. I, c- I can see that. I was just curious because, yeah, I've heard some some crazy stories of, of what people are <laughs> asking for just because of how crazy the market's been. 
um, and mm. people trying to be competitive. So I was just super curious to, to find that out. Um, so I guess let, let me just, I just want to ask like two more, two more questions and just to wrap this up, I guess, um, Amber, what, what would like be your advice, um, for people, um, when it comes to like, I guess, no, actually let, let me ask you a different one. Like, how do you, how do you think we can like really move the needle on like really sort of incentivizing people to actually choose recruitment as a career? I don't know if you guys are picking up on more people wanting to go into it, but as you know, typical story is I fell into it, had n- knew nothing about it, but like, I just, I'm just so passionate about recruitment being a career choice and like it can equip mm-hmm. you with so many skills that you can take into other industries and it can help you in all areas of your life. Like how, how do you think that we can actually really educate people on why recruitment is such a great career choice for, for a lot of reasons? Yeah, so I think we kind of, I think a lot of people have a lot of preconceived ideas about what recruitment is. I think it's got a little bit of a bad name um a a bit of a bad reputation from like you know years prior um but I do think that is changing um and we do see you know a a lot of young people you know fresh out of university and you know we always ask them the question you know how have you come across recruitment you know where, where have you got this idea from and a lot of them just say that you know it's just from their own research um you know we we always say people you know I think yeah, yeah. No one ever grows up, you know, thinking, "Oh, I want to be a recruitment yeah. consultant." But I think that stems back to, you know, education. You know, school, college, university. I just don't think it's very widely talked about. Um, I know it definitely wasn't when I was at uni. I know that was a, a few years ago now, but it it definitely wasn't. You know, I, I didn't know anything about it until a couple of years ago. So, I think I think it comes back to. I don't know. I think I think there still is a long way to go in terms of it. You know being more accessible from an education point of view I just don't think it's very widely talked about um but there are a lot of people that get into it because they know someone that's you know fell into it you know they might have had a friend a family or someone like that and I think it I think a lot of it is word of mouth um and I think you know it is getting a, a much better reputation for itself now you know gone are the days of you know 11 12 13 hour days you know you don't have to wear a three-piece suit or anything like that you know there is there is a lot uh, there are a lot of good agencies out there now that you, you have flexibility you know you know it is more relaxed it is more of a you know a collaborative team environment you know you're not being pit over the head with a KPI stick or anything like that um, but in terms of like the question of, of how do we get more people you know getting into it I think it does does go back to you know being at university college just having you know the, those conversations really awesome and then Nath, I'm going to ask you this final question. I feel like I know what you're going to say, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> Again, I think this will be really helpful. I think, but yeah, I love, I've loved recording this with both of you because I think this would be really helpful for so many people who might be, I don't know, maybe a month or so in and think, you know what, recruitment is not for me or actually no, maybe I'm not in the right environment. And there's just been some really good advice here. And also for people that are actively hire graduates and entry-level talent as well. But my question for you, Nath, I had this from someone I thought was a great question is if you could pick one thing about the environment um, that someone joined that you feel would allow them to succeed, what would it be? Culture training incentives? Um, I think, well, there's a few things you can go for. I think the environment as a whole, but I think if you were to pinpoint it to the one thing that maybe for myself, to look at my own experience has been most successful, I think it's just, like accessibility so if you look at our office for example and I mean that in a few different ways so 
how accessible you are to your manager and, and what they're actually like with you. I'm very fortunate. I work under Jacob in our business. He's sort of very good one-on-one -on -one with me. We've got individual training, team training, group training. So it's that accessibility to um, sort of a good mentor and a good leader. But then also just looking a bit more widely at your accessibility throughout the business. So the way our office is set up, I've got Billy in Earshot, who's one of the top biller, well, the top biller. I've got Aaron in Earshot, who's sort of second top biller. And you've got accessibility to all these different people in the business. So it's not that feeling of, oh, I've only got Jacob to go to. Um, and he's sort of my lifeline. If he's not there, I'm stuck. It's that accessibility across the wider business that you feel you can go to anyone. Um, like Aaron will sometimes come to me and say, I've written this cover sheet. What do you think about it? I'm like, that, that's my sales director asking my opinion. Um, and it's just that sort of wider accessibility, I think, across the office um, that for me, um, culture sort of comes down to. And I think that accessibility to management, to training, to all these different things, sort of, again, is probably greater than any incentive there for a graduate. Mm. Yeah, so that's, that's a great tip. So look, as I said, honestly, thank you so much for, for joining me on this. I think this thank will be so helpful for people. And um, look, really enjoyed it. And, and thank you for, for being part of it. Oh, Appreciate thank it. Thank you, you very much. much.